So if we haven't had a chance to say hello this morning, hello. As you heard, my name is Craig. If we haven't met, it's great to be together. Great to have you with us. Um, for the youth guys, remember, Good Friday, no youth that night. And a couple of guys have asked me, Craig, when are the life groups opening face-to-face? Well, from Tuesday this past week, uh, Clinton and Michelle's life group have met here at the cafe Tuesday evening, 7 p.m. And so if you are desperate to be face-to-face, I know a bunch of guys, uh, we've been meeting on Zoom, and some of our guys would love to be face-to-face here. Uh, you can chat with Clinton and Michelle. You've seen their faces now, and uh, they'd love to have you uh, with them. And um, otherwise, we look forward to next week. Bring your picnic baskets, okay? You bring, I'll share. Okay, so there's a prize. I'll be testing everyone's picnic basket, and I sound like Yogi Bear, right? So, um, I'll be testing your picnic basket, and I'll let you know the following week um, who the best picnic basket is. A very quick shout-out. They confessed their sins to me that uh, they went here on Sunday last, but seven days ago, Philip and Nadia have celebrated 40 years marriage. That's worth an extra kind of well done, so... Uh, who do you think should we should we congratulate him or her? <laughs> All right, man, you guys are a joy, and so congratulations. Trust you, you had a great week. So, welcome this morning to episode two of our uh, Welcome Home. We're talking about the prodigal son, right? And uh, so we're looking at the story of the prodigal sons. We're asking ourselves where we find ourselves in that passage. We're going to read it again this morning and look at the characters and then ask ourselves, so where do I fit in in the story? I know that lockdown has caused us all to withdraw into ourselves, to shrink our circles, and to become far more isolated than before. Who would have ever thought, as so many have said, that screens had become our new best friend? And uh, I'm loving you guys joining us on, on YouTube. Thank you for the comments. Uh, there was a, a, a quote friend of mine from Australia who on the couple of weeks ago uh, made some comments about my dress. So yes, it's a cravat, Rodney. And uh, today, whether you're in the building or whether you're online, I'm encouraging us to link in. You see, because it's easy to just be an attender or a viewer. And here at Grace Cove, we're building more than that. We're building community. So you can come to the building and think, okay, check, I saw people face to face, but you can still just have come and gone like you can do on a screen. And so this morning, uh, man, we have spent so much time and energy. The guys at the back have worked so hard to enable our online presence. And you guys here, we've gone through the protocols and the sanitizers and the guys that work so hard everywhere. Why? So we can be together, but that's just the beginning. And so I try so hard to introduce people to each other uh, when I'm chatting. Why? Because we can make friends and we build community. And so I'm encouraging us all. If you're here for the first time this morning, man, then find a friend. Find someone who next week you can say hello to again. Plug into your life group. The details are at the back. They're on gracecove.coza as well. If you're watching on YouTube, man, there's plenty of, of uh, life groups that are meeting on Zoom. So you can still... Stay at home, but you can still be part of the community. And then the third thing that I want to say is, do you want to put rocket fuel to your Christianity? Yeah? Well, here's the trick. 
simply, it's all about skin in the game. Because at the moment, if you just turn up, will someone notice I'm there or not? When we think about it that way, Christianity is mediocre. I want to encourage you, if you invite a friend to church, be it on-site or online, if you invite someone to a life group, you say, I'll pick you up or I'll send you the link. Notice how, you know, the, <laughs> there's a digital way to get someone to come to a meeting. All of a sudden, you'll be praying, you'll be excited because that friend's coming and you'll be the one making sure that you host them well. Guaranteed, your week will change. And next week, you're wondering whether they'll come back. So you guys here in the building, you guys that are on YouTube, here's the challenge. We're building community, but we're also engaging in mission. As much as we want everyone to engage, we want you also to offer that to someone else. When it's your job, when I'm coming to your house for supper, is it different than when you're coming to my house for supper? It is, because Colette's a great cook. But however, the point is that when people come to you, it's your responsibility. You get so wound up. You spend the whole week planning, right? Same thing. I'm encouraging us all to get involved in the mission. Easter's coming up. What a perfect time. Most people who don't go to church will probably go to church at least on Easter and Christmas. So this week, you've got it all ready for you. We've put the social media out there. you just got to like and share. And man, you've done your job, right? Spread the word. How about that? Do you know that, uh, um, who looks at, who follows News 24? I always wonder about their spell check, but that's aside from the point. Um, News 24, do you remember the days when they had the ticker, the how many days of lockdown, the days, hours, and minutes on the top of the app? Now you've got to scroll down. I was looking for it. Today, 365 days. Can you believe it? A year that life has changed. And uh, it's been so long. But I want to say to us this morning, isn't it time to come home? Is it time to come home? For some of us, the physical distance of lockdown has become emotional distance. For some of us, it's embarrassing to turn up after being absent for so long, and we wait until the crisis is so great that it overcomes our embarrassment of coming when we haven't come for a while. It's like the bird in the nest. The bird's not going anywhere while mommy bird is feeding it worms and got a comfortable little place to to sit down in the nest, right? And so the the parents have to make the unpack the, the nest to get the birds to fly. And the sad thing is some of us, we stick it out on our own. Then the, 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 we become distant for so long, we feel like we can't come back until the crisis is so big we can't do anything else. Hey? It's like, I don't want to go to the doctor. They're going to cost me money until I'm so sick I have to go to the doctor. And uh, for some, we stop fellowshipping with Jesus. I want to say to us this morning that it's time to rekindle that relationship again. Richard said it so well that we see him clearly once more. Friends, today, the Father waits to welcome you home. He waits to welcome you home. So let's have a look at Luke chapter 15, verse 11. We're going to read it all together. Luke chapter 15, verse 11, the parable of the, quote, lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. <laughs> he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I remember years ago at Bible school, we, we had been fasting for a long time and we were parked in a, in a combi somewhere. 
And uh, does anyone know, it, it, will, it will definitely tell me a lot about you. Do you know what dried carpenter are? Yes, I'm looking at my friends from over the border. Hey, dried carpenter in South Africa, it's otherwise known as cat food. <laughs> Little dried guppies. And uh, we were fasting and we found we'd gone for days uh, and we found this bag of dried carpenter. My goodness, we couldn't hold ourselves back. We, we, we committed the sin of breaking our fast in the middle of the fast with these, with these dried guppies. And uh, I've never tasted anything that tasted so good. Tasted amazing. I was like, mm, this is wonderful. You know, a couple of months later, we were somewhere else again and we had the opportunity to taste some dried carpenter again. And I just say that that's not part of my upbringing. I couldn't believe how bad they tasted that time than this time. And this poor guy, he got to the bottom of the pit. Times had got so terrible that even the circumstance, he thought the pigs were better off than him. Have you found that before? I don't know where you're at in your life right now. You think, man, even the bad guys at work, man, they look like they're better off than me. It says in verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard the music, the sound of music and dancing. And so he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look. All these years I've been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. And yet you never gave me even a young goat to celebrate with my friends. Please pay attention to the language. It's specific. I've followed your orders. I've slaved for you. Does that sound like a father-son relationship? Like it should be? You've never even... (laughs) Yeah, I was a grumpy teenager. I have to admit I went through a whole bunch of stuff until the Lord graciously saved me in grade 11 towards the end of the year. And up until then, I was a very grumpy teenager. I was very, cons- very aware of the little that I had and the, 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 the problems that everyone else put in my life. And he said, you didn't even give me a small goat. But when this son of yours, notice not my brother, this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he was found. 
And so this morning, our, t- our, our, our opportunity is to have a look at these two sons. We talk about the lost son, the prodigal son. But I want to say to you this morning that there were two lost sons in the in this story. And both were equally lost. It was just a simple matter of geography. The one had gone to a distant country. The one was still in the father's house. But in their hearts, they were equally far from the father. The one wanted his father dead so he could get the bucks now. The other one, it was just a matter of time. He was playing the long game, thinking one day the dad will die, and then if I work hard now, I will get more then. And today, last week we looked at give me mine, and we spoke about the dividing of the inheritance. This week we're going to look at repentance and forgiveness. And our two key scriptures are this one in Luke fifteen seventeen. It says this, it says, When he came to his senses... And that's our key. This boy was far away. He came to his senses. And uh, then the second verse in, in verse 20, it says, While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Repentance and forgiveness. He came to his senses and he kissed him. Now that sounds a little bit strange to South Africans, right? So what's this kissing business? Yeah? But... Um, Man, if you, if you travel to the countries where that's an accepted greeting, uh, when we go to France, it's always, you've got to be careful because depending on which part of France you're in, they kiss differently. The, the one area starts on the right and finishes on the left. The other one on the left and finishes on the right. And if you get it wrong, when they're going this way, you're going that way, it's awkward when you're greeting a lady like that, especially if you haven't met them before. And then another part goes three times. So it's just thoroughly confusing. But if you don't do it, it's like, what are you doing? So for South Africans, kiss is just a firm embrace. In our, the, the King James puts it this way, fell on his neck. I love it. And so the scriptures talk about two kinds of sorrow. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we read about two different kinds of sorrow. I don't know if you know people, it's like they wear sorrow on them like a heavy coat. Have you met people like that? It's like the world is on their shoulders they have been hurt deep in their hearts for whatever reason, whether it's a bereavement or a hurt, or a, and they wear sorrow like a coat. The Bible says there's two kinds of sorrow. It says godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. So godly sorrow leaves no regret. Worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what, lo- what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. I want to say to you this morning that godly sorrow produces results. That boy out there came to his senses and something changed. He said, I'll go back to my father. Godly sorrow brings a change of action. Worldly sorrow is like remorse. And too often we carry worldly sorrow and we wait for the other party to um, uh, perform in a certain way and then my sorrow will be quenched. We talk about closure these days. a very popular kind of psychological term, Yvette. We talk about closure these days. But I'm concerned that in pop psychology, it's become what it shouldn't be. And closure, my closure, determines on what the other party does. And so when you perform in a certain way, then I feel better and the worldly sorrow moves from my heart. Have you ever kind of got frustrated with, with a service provider or a call center person? Or, I mean, 
I'm a little like that. But you know, sometimes you can meet up with a friend and they just want to offload how terrible, there's nothing you can change. But they just want to tell you how bad it's been and this person and that person and 14 phone calls later. And all they're doing is they're, they're sitting with a sorrow that's going to go nowhere. And they're expecting the other party to change, then they'll feel better. But the Bible says godly sorrow is something different. It brings repentance in my heart. It leads to salvation and leaves no regret. If I'm waiting for the other party, then I'll carry sorrow like a heavy cloak. But if there's godly sorrow that comes into my heart, I can be right with God and I can be free no matter what the other party is part of. So let's have a look. These two things, repentance and forgiveness. So number one, repentance. It says he came to his senses. I love it. He comes to his senses and he set out back to his dad. He didn't wait. Have you felt like that in the middle of the night? God's dealing with you and you say, okay, Lord, when I wake up, I'm going to do dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And then when you wake up, you kind of think, oh, five more minutes, Lord. And then you get out of bed. I'll do it in five, you know, and then the day disappears. Uh, it's the same like that with exercise. The same like that with, with responding to the Lord. The, um, the literal translation, the literal uh, language there is he realized his madness. It was though he'd been in a fog in a daze. And all of a sudden, as Richard said, he sees clearly. And he chooses, he determines to do something about it. It's, he's been, it's as though he's been as far away from himself as he was from his father's house. You know, we talk about that, we, we use that language, he came to himself. Have you ever felt like that? Suddenly you're, oh. And it's almost like you'd been away from yourself. And when uh, you come to your senses, something changes. When we talk about repentance, we talk about a 180 degree turn. Have you heard that language before? I was on this track just like that younger brother. I was off on my way to a far off land to do things that the father would not have liked. I come to my senses. I make a 180 degree turn and I choose to follow Jesus. With his help, I won't let him go. It's a 180 degree turn. The Latin Well, the word repentance speaks of to grow wise again. It speaks of restoring the mind to itself. Now, what I like about that language is, notice, you're coming back to what you were. And the point is that God the Father has created us, every human being, for relationship with Him. When we wander off to a distant country like that younger brother, we're wandering away from our original design. And when we come to our senses, we come back to the purpose that God has put on our lives. He's created us for fellowship. This young boy understood that his, son, his sin was offensive to God and dangerous to his soul. Today, the popular um, thought process is, well, as long as I'm not hurting anyone else, it's okay. You do you, Right? As long as I'm not doing anything to hurt, whatever I do in the silence and the quiet privacy of my own home has got nothing to do with the rest of you, right? That's how we think. But the Bible here says that this boy realized he'd sinned against God and he'd put his soul at peril. And so the first thing is we say that uh, repentance is a coming to his senses. There are four steps to godly repentance, which leads, leaves us with no regret. The first is that we take responsibility, <laughs> I feel a little bit like I'm, like I'm yelling at you guys this morning because I'm trying to speak against what has become common language in our thinking today. When someone says, you were speeding, you were over the speed limit, what's the, what's the first answer you give to the policeman? Yes, but the traffic was going at a certain speed. Or yes, but that guy was pulling in front of me. Mm -hmm. Our kids, we've got a boy and a girl from little. Whenever you say, hey, stop doing that. Yes, but brother. 
Yeah. You want to know where that comes from? It comes from the devil because in the Garden of Eden, yeah, what happened? They sin. God says to Adam, what have you done? He says, the woman said. The woman, her faults. And unfortunately, too many of us are still doing that. My business is failing because of it's the economy or it's something outside of me and God. My boss is grumpy with me. Well, it's because all my colleagues aren't performing. Yeah? We constantly, we, we refuse to take responsibility in this life. I've let people down. I didn't do what, I, I gave my word and I didn't do it. Yes, but there were reasons. <laughs> so the first thing to repentance is to take responsibility, to recognize that I've done wrong. And when we start to talk about your truth and my truth, then there is no right and wrong. And then it's very difficult to accept responsibility for something that's very vague and meaningless. Oh, it's just your opinion. No, no, no. The Bible is clear on what God loves and what God hates. And so the first is that we take responsibility. The second is we, sit, we, we carry a sense of real regret. There's true remorse for doing wrong and for the pain and the problems that I've caused. Regret. They do say it takes how many to tango? I don't know, about 14 because I'm a terrible dancer, right? I need all the help I can get. They say it takes two to tango and very often we can say, you did this against me. And even, for example, where you feel like you're totally not involved, you can say, okay, say you're in your house and there was a break-in. Like, I promise I did nothing to deserve a break-in, right? There's, you know, I didn't go and mock someone and then they came. But in the moment, we can also sin just like the person who sinned against us. And so we need to come to a place of regret to say that actually I'm sorry for my part. I'm sorry, Lord, that I got angry. I'm sorry, Lord, that I responded in a certain way. Even if the sin was done against me, I still should carry a responsibility and a regret for, a regret for any part that I play. The third is a resolve where we commit ourselves. I told you, 180 degrees. We commit ourselves. Jesus, should you help me? I'll do my best never to go that way. On a Monday night, we have uh, a group called Heal that meets here. They're an uh, addiction support group, and the, the, they're amazing. Um, and the cool thing is they support both the recovering addicts and the family members uh, as well. And they will counsel guys. Once you come through the, the, the rehab process and start to um, come back into kind of mainstream life, they will counsel the guys. Don't go back to the same places you used to go to. Don't re-engage with the same relationships you used to engage with. Don't even drive down the same roads. Choose a new way to work. Why? Because when we go back to those familiar paths, we very quickly engage in familiar actions. And so here we have to resolve. I won't even begin the journey. I'll stop here. There's a resolve. And then the fourth one is a repair, where I take responsibilities to say, what can I do to repair the problem? And it might, at very least, just be, let me go and say sorry. I might not be able to change anything, but at least I can say sorry. At least I can say sorry. He came to his senses, repentance. The second one, I'm going to skip ahead one slide. The second one is forgiveness. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. I'll say a few things about forgiveness. I mean, I trust that when you read the story, you see the pictures. Because for me, it, 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 it stirs me every time. It stirs me every time. This dignified father I said last week. This dignified member of the community running after his boys. It's one thing when your kids are small and you run after them. <laughs> yeah? It's a whole different thing when they're grown and you're still doing that same role. I want to say to you this morning that forgiveness is proactive. Forgiveness is 
proactive. We love to quote John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that what? He waited for us to recognize Him. Ah, for God so loved the world that He gave. Forgiveness is always proactive. The father was waiting and he sees the younger son return. Now, if it was most of us, the father would have been standing there saying, Okay, let's see. Let's see. You ready to come back now? Are you ready to obey the rules of the house? My, my house, my rules, right? You're under my roof. You do what I say, right? Do we have any comments around that, that interaction? No. I mean, I've been wondering. Forgiveness is proactive. He had no reason to expect that the younger brother had had a change of heart. There was no evidence. He didn't know yet. Imagine, I think this father is such a challenge to me. He had no reason. I mean, the boy could have just become come back because he left some shoes behind. Our boy's in Marisburg for this year. Uh, so it's been so interesting to see what he's taken, what he hasn't, you know. And uh, maybe he just like forgot his favorite teddy bear. I don't know, whatever it is. And the, the younger brother's like, oh yeah, man, I forgot that cool t-shirt. I'm just coming home to get it quickly because there's a party around the corner next week. Could it be? Could it be? Maybe I run out of money, man. If I go and see my dad, maybe I can just like pressure him into a loan. The father had no guarantees what the boy was coming back for. But forgiveness is always proactive. Always proactive. The father doesn't even wait for the boy to come to him. He doesn't kind of stand there giving a cold shoulder saying, let's see, prove it, boy. Hey? He doesn't wait. Forgiveness is not dependent on the other's actions. The father doesn't wait for the son to fess up. Guys, if we can get this... If we can get this in our hearts, it'll change our lives. Because I think we have been led by society to still expect um, both parties to carry the pressure. If you pay this much, I'll let you off. Yeah? Uh, I missed a payment on my insurance. Don't worry, we can still cover you as long as you make a double payment next month. Yes? COVID, we've had people losing houses. We've also had people buying houses, amazingly. But there was this thing, three month. Uh, um, a bond relief, right? We'll, we'll sort you out as long as you perform a sort, certain way. And so here, I want to say to you this morning that forgiveness is not dependent on the other's actions. Forgiveness is about me responding to my Father in heaven. If anything, that younger boy did not deserve forgiveness. You with me? You agree? Imagine if this was a court of law. What have you done? There's no reason for you. You should be uh, sentenced and jailed. You, you pay the price. This father forgave proactively. Mark chapter 11, verse 25, it says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. So different to what we see today. We, we kind of fall the arms, and when you apologize sufficiently. Have you guys been following the whole cancel culture debate at the moment? Yeah? I mean, I'm shocked at what's coming out there. People are getting into trouble for stuff they posted on social years ago. And now the thing is, well, because 10 years ago, I mean, were you a different person 10 years ago? I was. For some of us, we didn't even, you know, we were minors 10 years ago. Some of us, not all of us, some of us. And, um, and so now because you said something so long ago, we hold you accountable. And then what's the thing? You've got to make this huge, big mere culpa. You've got to publicly on social media confess your sins to such an extent that social media is now placated. Like, how many sorries do I have to say before you cancel my cancellation? Yeah? And again, it's this thing of if you 
Prove to me how sorry you are. Then I might forgive you. But that's not what we talk about. That's not godly sorrow that leads to a release. I want to say to you guys, I'm, I'm not pushing. So, oh, yeah, you know, kiss and make up. Everything's fine. Feel free to do the same sin against me. No problems. You know, next week I'll just leave my front door unlocked and the gate standing open. Come and take my TV. No problems. Not what I'm saying. I'm not saying we, we have to be unwise. But I am saying that forgiveness is proactive. It's my, re- my response to the Father in heaven I've got to respond to him as you do. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, it says, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his faults, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. I tell you, even here at church, we can get this so wrong. Get this so wrong. Someone slights someone. Someone, You know the big sins, like taking your parking or sitting in your chair. You know the big ones. Uh, never mind forgetting your birthday. Have you ever forgotten a close friend's birthday? I have. If you know me well, you probably say, well, <laughs> it's, it's not surprising. My brain is a little bit like a sieve. Yeah? Those things. I mean, even between a husband and wife, man, we can hurt each other and hate each other because of it, right? We can do. Even here at, at, in, a, in a Christian community. Notice what it says here. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his faults. You know what happens? We perceive a slight. Ah, I saw you look at me and I knew, you were, I knew what you were thinking. Really? I didn't even know what I was thinking. What was I thinking? Can you tell me? Like, hello? I knew you, that look in your eye. I was listening to a famous person on YouTube the other day and they said, uh, I was standing in a queue and this and this happened. I knew that person was such and such. I'm like, cheap as you, a miracle. Like, you read minds? Yeah? The Bible says, if your brother sins against you, go to him and show him his fault. Now that to me is just a teaching moment that's humble and gentle talk. It's not like, oh, you're a horrible person. You always, I never. Yeah? Go and, just between the two of you. <laughs> Normally we talk to ten people before we even talk, go near the other person, right? Just between the two of you. The question we have to ask when someone comes to vent with me is like, mm, have you spoken to the person? Because I wasn't there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, he says, if, it, if he listens to you, you've won your brother over. Isn't that beautiful? Won. You've won. What happens is, I think you've done something to me, or maybe you have done something to me. <laughs> you drive into someone's car in the church parking lot. My goodness, you know. Um, maybe you have done something. And so then what happens is, well, I think you've done something to me, so then I just take a little bit of a step back. I I cross my arms and I put up a vibe. And then what happens? You think, gee, what's wrong with this guy? He's like, he's got such a vibe. I don't want to be around him. And then you're like, yo, you see, everyone's leaving me alone now, just like I said they would. That church is so unfriendly because they don't come close to me. Yeah, And it's like this arms race. It's like, I do, you do. It gets worse and worse and worse. Eventually we hate each other and we think everyone's terrible and we, we justify it in our actions. But forgiveness is proactive. Proactive. Go to your brother. So here's the deal. A friend of mine, friend of mine taught me this. Says, I'm not a spiritual inspector Clouseau. If you don't know who that is, you don't watch the right movies. <laughs> Google Pink Panther, okay? 
Ah, it's not up to me to kind of guess, oh, Richard, you looked at me with one eye this morning. What does that mean? Or, hey, so-and-so, Ben, I don't know about you, and, and Steve, and Laundie, like, you guys all, you were talking to each other, but no one talked to me. What does this mean? I'm not in the business of sussing out whether you've got a problem with me. My Bible says if, if I've done something wrong, it's your job to come and help me. Otherwise, we'll be checking each other out all the time. <laughs> all right, I better hurry up. Number two, forgiveness is sacrificial. So first of all, it's proactive. Secondly, it's sacrificial. Can I remind us that there's no forgiveness without sacrifice? The reason that we have forgiveness from the Father was because Jesus died on the cross. <laughs> Doesn't that sound crazy? Not because I did a bunch of stuff and I kind of made it up to that level. I powered up and then I got forgiven. No, I'm forgiven because Jesus sacrificed on my behalf. Isn't it amazing that in the Garden of Eden, remember when they sinned, they realized their sinfulness, they hid because they were full of shame. What does the Bible say? The Bible says God provided animal skins to clothe them. Where do you think the animal skins come from? Well, he had to kill an animal to get a skin, right? The first sacrifice in the Bible, the first forgiveness of sins, points towards Jesus dying on the cross. Right in Genesis, we see forgiveness comes from sacrifice. This boy had robbed his father financially. He'd robbed his father disgracefully. He'd he'd robbed him of, of honor. He says, make me a servant. Number three, forgiveness is risky. Forgiveness is risky. <laughs> if you're married, do you remember long ago? I mean, if you've been married more than three years, like the dating process is like a long time ago, right? But do you remember? Uh, I always used to laugh in primary school. Remember those primary school relationships? Were you one of those Casanovas? I always like looked at these popular kids in class going, who are you guys? You know, all these letters in class, little hearts and little pink, Yeah? Primary school too long ago. Hey, all this intrigue around who's liking who and who's talking to who and all of that, yes. But you know, every time there's a relationship, there's like this risk of putting my heart on my sleeve. Like when I invite you to dinner for the first time or I invite you for a coffee for the first time, I'm like, I don't know if they'll say yes. Remember when it was like that girl that you liked, maybe you ended up marrying her? I was like, I don't know. Hmm? I want to say forgiveness is risky. Because we have to put ourselves out of there. Our offer of forgiveness can be rejected. The person can do the same thing again. I can say to you, hey, I've, I've, man, did I see this right? This is what I thought. I'm showing you. And, and Clint says, no, I'm so sorry. I didn't think that at all. I'm like, oh, so sorry. Man, don't worry. Like, can, we, can we come right? The chances he's not realized that I'm like touchy. Like, sheesh, why did you think that of me? No, I'm not doing your foot sack. Hey, forgiveness is risky. For God so loved the world that what did he do? He risked. He sent his son. We could have all liked so many did, spat at him, hated him. When we offer forgiveness, the same. The same. Forgiveness frees us from the past. Man, forgiveness redeems our past. You know all those horrible stuff that happened to you in the past? Man, forgiveness can make what was hurtful and horrible in the past. It can turn it into a story. You guys that have been to the army, man, you, you start army guys talking about army stories. Hey? It sounds like it was the best years of their life, but they hated it while they were there. It's amazing how God can take a painful experience and turn it into a garden. I want to finish with this. I watched a movie years ago and it stuck with me. Little story between teenagers. 
And uh, you know how it goes, the young, weaker kind of nerd figure was riding a bicycle down the, down the track, and the bully and his posse were all there, and they pushed the bully, they pushed the nerd off the bicycle. And he's like in the dust, and he's bleeding, and he gets up, and he kind of gets his bicycle right. Bully grabs his bicycle from him, and he says, I'm taking this bicycle from you. The little skinny guy says, you can't steal this bicycle from me. And the bully says, who do you think you are? He grabs him by his shirt and he's about to punch him. He says, you can't steal it to me from me because I'm giving it to you as a gift. If you live in the city, you've probably had a robbery once or twice, right? Can you imagine this young boy was less concerned about his property and more concerned about the right standing of that bully? He would rather lose his bicycle than make that guy a thief. <laughs> I, I get in your heart right now there's conflict because this is a, like a shocking story, right? Just think it through. Jesus had done nothing to deserve, to make, to pay the sacrifice that I should have paid. Done nothing. And before, on his way to the cross, before he even came to earth, he'd already forgiven you and I. Isn't that amazing. Forgiveness is proactive. <laughs> it's always sacrifice. And it's risky. I say to us this morning, I don't know if it's a hesitance with repentance. You just haven't come to your senses yet, or you have, but you don't want to come back home. That's stopping you hearing the Father's welcome home. I don't know if it's unmet expectations, if it's, um, if it's a lack of forgiveness that's causing you to stay outside. That older brother, he didn't have far to go. He was in the jolly garden. He was within earshot of the party. And yet inside of him, he refused to forgive. He couldn't go inside. As we look at this Welcome Home series, I don't know what it is that's holding you back from hearing that Welcome Home of the Father. I want to ask you this morning, will you come on home? Will you hear that great Welcome Home? More than geography, where is our heart? Perhaps like these two brothers, repentance and forgiveness are the very things that are keeping you from responding to the great world. Will you stand with me? It was so cool when we suddenly heard the buzz of everyone chatting and talking about Jesus to each other. But I want to give you a quick opportunity, just where you stand. You close your eyes. I want to ask you to just think through, do I need to come to my senses this morning? As we looked in the Word, was there a tugging on my heart? Have I run from the Father, and I need to repent. Am I withholding forgiveness? And today I need to take that risk, make that sacrifice, and be proactive. Whatever the other party does is not my responsibility. What I do is my responsibility. You can continue in your sin, but if I forgive, then I'm right with the Father. You may be far from the Lord. You may... Never have thought of yourself as a Christian. And this morning I want to give you an opportunity to say, Jesus, I'm the kid that's far in a different country. I've never known you. I've never served you. But today I'm saying, forgive me, Father. I'm repenting of my sins. I'm choosing a different journey, 180 degrees. Jesus, make me your son or your daughter. And you can let us know if you've prayed that prayer. And if you're a a believer, then maybe you just need to say, Jesus, 
Is there something that I need to make right? Is there a godly sorrow that will bring life in my life? Is there anyone that I need to forgive? Do I need to walk in the forgiveness that Jesus has given me? Because it hasn't taken root in my heart. Father, we pray this morning by your Holy Spirit that you would overwhelm our defenses, that you would catch our attention, (laughs) and you would bring us to our senses. Lord, we want to walk right before you and in fellowship with our brothers and sisters. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.